For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Tonight's chant will be the Ehe Koso Hatsuganmon, followed by a memorial dedication in commemoration of the 100th anniversary of the 1921 Tulsa Massacre. Before that, we will chant the repentance verse three times. So I will go ahead and share my screen. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow all my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow all my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. Ehe koso hatsugan mo on. We vow together with all beings from this life on throughout numerous lifetimes not to fail to hear the true dharma. Hearing this, we will not be skeptical and will not be without faith. Directly upon encountering the true dharma, we will abandon mundane affairs and uphold and maintain the Buddha dharma. And finally, together with the great earth and all animate beings, we will accomplish the way. Although our previous evil karma has greatly accumulated, producing causes and conditions that obstruct the way, May the Buddhas and ancestors who have attained the Buddha way be compassionate to us and liberate us from our karmic entanglements, allowing us to practice the way without hindrance. May the merit and virtue of their Dharma gate fill and refresh the inexhaustible Dharma realm so that they share with us their compassion. Ancient Buddhas and ancestors were as we. We shall come to be Buddhas and ancestors. Venerating Buddhas and ancestors, we are one with Buddhas and ancestors. Contemplating awakening mind, we are one with awakened mind. Compassionately admitting seven and accomplishing eight obtains advantage and lets go of advantage. Accordingly, Longya said, what in past lives was not yet complete, now must be complete. In this life, save the body coming from accumulated lives. Before enlightenment, ancient Buddhas were the same as we. After enlightenment, we will be exactly as those ancient ones. 
quietly studying and mastering these causes and conditions, one is fully informed by the verified Buddhas. With this kind of repentance certainly will come the inconceivable guidance of Buddha ancestors. Confessing to Buddha with mindful heart and dignified body, the strength of this confession will eradicate the roots of wrongdoing. This is the one true color, the one color of true practice, of the true mind of faith, of the true body of faith. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness, we have chanted the Ehe Koso Hatsugan Mon. We dedicate this merit to. Our original ancestor in India, great teacher Shakyamuni Buddha. Our first woman ancestor, great teacher Mahaprajapati. Our first ancestor in China, great teacher Bodhidharma. Our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher Ehe Dogen. Our first ancestor in America, great teacher Shogaku Shunryu. The perfect wisdom Bodhisattva Manjushri. On this Memorial Day weekend, 100th anniversary of the May 31st, 1921 massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we remember the hundreds of black people murdered in Tulsa and the total raising and destruction of Tulsa's affluent Black Wall Street neighborhood, along with other similar massacres and lynchings of black people by white mobs in that era and continuing since, to the well-being of all those afflicted with ills, and to peace pervading for all peoples of the world. Gratefully, we offer this virtue to all beings. All Buddhas throughout space and time. All honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, mahaprajna paramita. Good evening, everyone. Uh, for new people, I'll briefly introduce our speaker tonight. Brian Taylor is a member of the board of Ancient Dragon Zen Gate. He's the former work leader uh, of our temple on Irving Park Road. And he's also the coordinator now of our Wednesday evening um, uh, Hyde Park group. So you can find the Hyde Park group on, on the website. Uh, there's a separate link. So, uh, Brian, thank you very much for talk, giving the talk tonight. Thank you, Tygen, for asking me to uh, to give this talk. Um, I it, it's funny, you know, um, when uh, people are asked to give talks, uh, we're also asked to come up with um, our choice of a, a chant to be used for the service. And I, that, for some reason, that always catches me off guard, even though I've been doing this for a while. And and it's like, oh, I got to think of a chant, and I look through the chants um, and. Uh, the one that I selected for tonight from Dogen um, is is amazing. I mean, it, it just fit exactly what I what I had already planned on saying, and um, so I posted it in the chat room a link 
through, um, if you haven't gone already to Ancient Dragons chant page on the website, it's really one a wonderful resource. Uh, it's got really great chants that I just keep going back to uh, from time to time. So that link is on there if you want to look it up later. And, and you can read that um, uh, in, in relationship to this talk, perhaps. Tonight, I want to talk about um, taking refuge in the triple treasure. Now, the triple treasure is uh, sometimes called uh, the three jewels or the triple gems, uh, but it is Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. And so taking refuge in Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Um, four and a half years ago, um, I uh, was one of several people in Ancient Dragon who uh, received the precepts and took refuge in the triple treasure in the ceremony of Jukai, uh, which involves a number of things I won't go into right now, but including this Rakasu, uh, which is a part of it. And um, ever since then, you know, I've been asking myself, what is, what is it to take refuge in this? Um, what is it really? At the time, refuge was something I, I really needed. Uh, those of you who knew me then, knew I, I was going through a pretty rough time. And um, the support of not only the, the Sangha, you folks, um, but Buddha and Dharma were, were life-saving. I mean, I was telling people at the time, this is, this is saving my life. Uh, I mean, it's keeping me from going insane. Um, and uh, that was a kind of refuge. Um, it was a way of saying yes to something that I knew I could count on. Um, and, and as taking refuge and receiving the precepts, um, it's not just a refuge in a vague sense of spirituality. It's Buddhist precepts, and it's re taking refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Um, the triple treasure, and it, and it has proved over the years to, to truly be a treasure. Um, so as I talk about this tonight, I want to um, begin with um, the way in which um, it, it's thought of in its most narrow sense, and I don't, I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but in its maybe its most limited way of thinking about that is that um, we have the Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha, a historical figure. Uh, we might have a, a statue of him on an altar uh, or some other image of him, and we, we think of taking refuge in him as a, um, a connection with ourselves. Uh, taking refuge in uh, the, the Sangha, um, or, or the Dharma, rather, uh, is, is thought of in its most narrow sense as Buddha's teachings. And so we read those early documents and we try to learn what, what did the Buddha teach? And, and thirdly, taking refuge in Sangha. Sangha originally meant the monastic community of men and women who had taken formal vows and were living um, in celibate lives in community. A, a later expansion of, of this uh, view of things um, was that there were, of course, many Buddhas, many Bodhisattvas. Uh, the Sangha could be seen as um, all Buddhists everywhere, uh, lay and ordained. And the Dharma became, you know, it kind of blew up in the, um, 
in the Mahayana tradition with, with uh, so many different texts that were now part of Dharmic teachings. Um, but I want to talk about a further expansion. And, and this is a way in which uh, the Triple Treasure is talked about in, in Buddhist tradition and has been talked about from the very beginning, but it's a, it's a broader view, which is something that uh, I really relate to. And that is um, a, a more expansive, expansive view of, of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. And, and in this view, um, the Buddha is, is a person, but he is also a kind of um, icon or window uh, into the characteristic of awakening itself, which is inherently present in in me, in you, in all being, everything. And when I think about that, you know, I, I, it, it's a it's a tricky thing because I, I I have to ask myself, well, what do I mean when I say that I am awakened, that all beings are awakened, that when I sit in zazen. Uh, all all beings awaken with me. That that nature is awakened. What what are we talking about here? I think it has something to do with the the um, inherent uniqueness and completeness of everything as it is. And it's easy to see that with nature. You know, to look at a, some of these marvelous trees that are in Chicago, hundred uh, year old trees and, and older that are just gorgeous. Uh, that are so full of life right now it's it's easy to see um that they are expressing the awakened nature of all reality um it's it's not so easy to see that sometimes in the mirror or in another person especially someone we, we might not like very much um or in circumstances that are very difficult how is this awakened? And, it, and I think it has something to do, at least for me, with, you know, on, on one level, there's always the opportunity to try to um, improve life when there is suffering. And, and, and we have responsibility to that. But there's another sense in which everything is complete the way it is. Um, in a couple of days, I'm going to go on a trip and I'll, I'll be in an airport and I'll be changing over in another city and I'll be waiting and I'll be standing in line. And, then, you know, there's terrible food and, and, you know, I'll be wearing a mask, but slightly concerned about, you know, health and other things. And am I going to be on time and all those little things that are going on and maybe people that are impatient and maybe even maybe even I'll encounter one of those people that refuses to wear a mask and makes a scene in the air. I don't know. But how is that an awakened situation? Well, it is in the sense that it is, it is complete in itself and it's, it's worthy of attention and respect and uh, of love. Um, there might be a need to improve upon suffering, but there's no need to improve upon things that um, are just happening. Uh, and there's a beauty in what's just happening. Um, the, the first time I encountered this was probably when I was a child. I, I think all children have this kind of openness to reality where they're interested in reality and is it un, is unfolding. I have a, a two and a half year old grandson who's, who's with us now two days a week. And he's just incredible. I mean, his, the way his brain, his perceptions, the way he's taking in reality all the time, like a sponge and 
he's curious, he's interested, he's, he's giving himself to the moment, uh, whether that's a little truck toy in front of him or the way the sun is coming through the window or uh, some little joke that somebody makes or the way the cat walks across the floor. There's, a, there's an aliveness. He, he, he's not, um, he's not blind to it yet. He's, he's open and awake and, and the world is open and awake through his awakening. Um, and so everything is Buddha. And that's the broadest sense of Buddha. Well, what is it to, to take refuge in this, um, in that broadest sense of Buddha? For me, um, it is asking the question, what is this? What is this moment? And, and remembering to ask that question, especially when I am bored or having a hard time or annoyed or in some other way not in harmony with what's going on or with my environment, is to ask, what is this? What is this? Uh, not in terms of some verbal explanation, but its texture, its color, its flavor, its beauty, its uniqueness. Um, and, and Zazen is, is a place to le- relearn this all the time. Um, the breath, the, the, uh, the quality of light in the room that we're sitting, the feeling of the seat on the cushion, um, the interplay of, of the mind with this whole environment and what the brain is doing in terms of conjuring up thoughts. Uh, it's amazing. Um, and to simply witness it is to witness Buddha, is to witness the, the, uh, the world awake. And, and that's a refuge because that, that's something I can, I can turn to anytime. It's like flipping a switch, you know, with, with enough years of Zazen, it, it's, it's like, okay, Brian, you can be present here. You know, that, that's something you can do right now. And, and it's like flipping a sweet switch that is a refuge. Um, you know, thank goodness I can just be here now. I can always remember to do that, um, no matter how many times I forget. So Dharma, um, in this broad sense of what is Dharma, as I said, originally it was the Buddhist teachings, and then it was all of the various Buddhist teachings um, beyond the Buddha himself. Um, and more broadly, it is, you know, there's, there's just a whole ocean of resources out there, you know, teachers, audio things you can listen to online, books. Um, but even more broadly, Dharma is reality itself as it is. The, what I was describing a moment ago about everything is Buddha, everything is, is awake. Um, it is also, it is also, you can also describe it as Dharma in the sense that it is offering itself to anyone who has eyes to see it, who is offering itself to anyone who has uh, an, an openness of spirit to take it in and learn from it. I learned from the Buddhist teachings. I learned from a situation that is happening in my day that might be difficult. Uh, I learned from uh, walking through the park and, and seeing what reality is around me. 
and all the people that are there. It, it's, it's an ongoing teaching. Uh, again, not to draw some sort of a mental conclusion about what's happening or to define it in some way, but Ogetsu um, gave a wonderful talk recently. I guess it was last Monday, wasn't it? Um, on saying yes. Um, among other things, she was talking about saying yes to circumstances, a willingness to engage with circumstances as they are and to see what comes of it. Th- that's a dharma. That's a, a that's, that's, um, Dharma teaching, and that's that's what's in that phrase that I love so much, which is um, Dharma gates are are boundless. I, I vow to enter them. Um, they're everywhere, and am I going to enter them or not? You know, it, an example of, of one Dharma gate that I've been walking through for the last few years has been um, in our condominium, condominium association. We've had a, a conflict over uh, the way in which things were set up uh, financially. And we've ended up in a lawsuit. And any, to any of you who know me a little bit, you'd be, you might be surprised to hear that I'm the chair of the litiga- litigation committee, <laughs> uh, which has uh, been enormously trying and extremely difficult and sometimes very contentious and even at times turning a little ugly. And um, raising all sorts of fear and uh, recriminations and things. The Dharma gate of that situation is me facing it again and again and again and asking myself, do I want to walk through this gate as a Dharma gate and offer myself and learn and stay open and see what it has to uh, manifest and unfold or do I want to simply keep it in a box of some mental construct that I've got and some emotional construct that out of which I can react? Uh, it's staying open and fluid to circumstances. Uh, in that sense, really, all of life becomes endless dharma gates. And, and there's a refuge in that because, um, you know, it's, it's like we can, we can take refuge in circumstances. Uh, they they are reliable. They are they are, they are our teacher, and and we can count on it. You know, we don't have to read all the Buddhist books in the world. We don't have to listen to all of Norman Fisher's talks online. We don't we don't have to, you know, memorize Zen mind, beginner's mind. Reality itself teaches us if if we look at it as a, a continual succession of dharma gates, and that's reliable in that sense. That's a Refuge. Finally, Sangha. Um, in a broadest sense, Sangha um, can be seen as all beings, all, all people, um, animals, plants, even what we think of as insentient um, rocks, mountains, cities. I, I like to think of reality itself as all one pulsating, evolving organism which has an infinite number of dimensions or parts or however you want to call it. Uh, it's one world. And, and that's why it's, it's so important um, right now, you know, to, to keep in mind things like this Tulsa massacre a hundred years ago tonight um, and current situations um, that we are not separate. This is, 
my body. This is my history. And I have a responsibility to the world around me as, as it has a responsibility to me. We are creating each other all the time. Um, the refuge in that is that is, is to put my trust in the world, uh, to belong, um, to belong to this world, to belong to, to for it to belong to me. Um, and, and to trust that as I move through it, um, I'm not alone. Uh, I'm not alone in, in walking through it. So finally, the last thing I want to say is that this isn't three separate uh, uh, refuges. It's one. Uh, and it's, it's three different ways of, of talking about the same thing. And it's going to be hard to put it into words, but it's something like um, to, to move into the Buddha nature of all, we move through the Dharma gates of present circumstances supported by the entire world. And that's one action that's going on continually. And the wonderful thing about Zazen is that it is a place where all three are present simultaneously. We are expressing Buddha as we sit upright. We encounter the Dharma, the teachings of emptiness and impermanence and everything else in those books. We encounter it directly. And we do that together with the Sangha of, of all living beings and we're we're not alone on the cushion so um that's my take tonight on on refuge in the triple treasure and i'd love to hear what what your uh thoughts are about the same subject brian thank you for a truly lovely talk um encouragement uh, so uh alex maybe you can help me call on people um you can raise your hands or if you're not visible, you can go to the participants window and at, at the bottom, you can click on the raise hand uh, icon. And uh, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. And really, uh, thank you so much, Brian. That was inspiring. So who would like to give comments, responses, questions for Brian? Well, I'll start then. Um, just to one thing to add to what Brian has said is that taking refuge is uh, like returning home. So uh, when we sit like Buddha, we're returning home to this um, Buddha-ness that is the nature of things when, and that is uh, how we is and how we may be. This is not does not to discount all the thoughts and feelings and grasping and anger and confusion that naturally arises in the course of period of Zazen and in our life, but that there's this fun, something fundamental, this deeper home that we can return to. And it's true of Buddha and Dharma. the Buddha said when he was about to pass away that let, let the Dharma, the teachings of reality and truth be uh, your teacher. And, and Sangha is that we do this all together with our, you know, a song like Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, but just with everyone we know and all beings and everyone we ever have known. Anyway, just to throw that in there. Uh, comments, questions, responses, uh, please. Yeah, David. This is David Ray. David Ray. 
Thanks very much for your talk, Brian. I really appreciate it. Um, I am uh, I'm currently um, sowing uh, sowing the rakusu and and thinking about taking refuge, you know, with with, with every stitch. And um, I really appreciated your your talk. And I I'd, I'd like to ask you more about about the idea of of refuge and and just the just the category of refuge, what it is. I mean, the, I, I, I know that the, the Buddhist word is, is a lot like our word. It just means something that, that I might take shelter in or, or under. And it almost seems like there's a, what's the word for it, a dialectic or a contradiction, you know, that, that I, I might take refuge in, in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. But, but the way you described it so beautifully, it's like it's taking refuge in, 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 in taking refuge from what's happening by just by being present, by being present to, to, to what's happening. Um, and and I, I feel the, the, the thing that you described at, at, at the first about, like, like there, I do feel a kind of grasping toward, toward Buddhism. I'm really grateful that it's in my life right now. I, I, I feel that I, it's, it's something that I need in my life, and I'm grateful that it's in my life. And at the same time, it, the, the, this taking refuge also is, a, you know, a, 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 just an acceptance of, of what is. And those things might seem in, in tension with each other. That's really interesting the way you put it, David. Um, taking refuge can be, uh, at times, and it was for me perhaps at, at first, a, a way to... Um, how can I say this? Move, move, both move from a way that I was experiencing reality to something other, bigger, but also a way to enter more deeply into that same reality that I was feeling like I needed refuge from. Um, it, it's, a, it's a weird combination of uh, relief and uh, increased engagement. Um, and, and I'm thinking specifically of, of when when life is suffering, when when we're having a hard time, it's. Um, I think of all the times that I that I've had the experience of being with people, at the you know when there's a, a death happening or something, and uh, or or some tragic circumstance. Um, when we are reminded of something bigger, like the the Buddha nature of all being, for instance, or eternity or whatever we want to call that bigger container, the present moment in its specificity uh, is maybe more painful, but at the same time, um, more beautiful and tolerable. Um, And I'm not sure if that's along the lines of what you were talking about, but that's what it made me think of. Mm. It is. Thank you for that. And refuge also, I, I wanted to say, it's, it's not only um, a place to be, have find shelter, like, you know, sort of hiding out, sort of almost, but it's, it's refuge, I like it in the sense of having what, what I can have confidence in, what I can return to, is, as Tygen said, returning to home. Um, there's, there's a way of looking at life as a Buddhist that I can, um, I can have complete confidence in. Uh, have faith and trust, and and uh, that is a refuge. That's a big refuge. It's not refuge from anything. It's refuge in the sense of confidence in something. 
Yes, Michael. Ryan, thank you for your talk. Um, I always enjoy listening to you talk. Um, I really appreciated your, um, I guess, definition of of sangha as as kind of all beings. Because I, I tend to forget that sometimes. I tend to think of sangha as just even the people who come here, um, or even or just people in general. And it's you know it's a bird in a tree, or the tree, or the air, or, or anything, um, any sentient being, um, because. Um, I, I find myself taking refuge in those things, um, kind of unexpectedly and, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, uh, yeah. And I, I guess I also wanted to share it too. I think, um, sometimes my anxiety kind of gets in the way of allowing me to take refuge. And as, as I've been, um, kind of trying to understand my anxiety a little bit more, um, kind of the biggest thing is kind of learning to be kind to myself. And as I'm starting to do that a lot more, I, it, it's, it's almost kind of like taking refuge in myself because, or in, in the treasures, because I find that um, as I do that, I'm able to kind of see, like you were talking about the bigger container and um, then I'm able to sit with the difficulty that I'm having a lot better um and i don't know um i know that in the past you've kind of talked about talking uh dealing with anxiety um i don't know if that if you want to elaborate on that at all or if that brings up anything for you but um i just wanted to share that and and thank you yeah the thing that it's it came to mind for me as you were talking was that um refuge in another sense it, it sounds like maybe what you're you might be pointing towards is refuge as resting in um that anxiety is the opposite of resting in, right? And and to to rest in the suchness of the moment, you know, as we're walking on the street or, or looking at the faces around us at the airport or sitting in zazen, to rest in that is to say yes to it uh, and um, wonder about it perhaps. And that's, that's the opposite of an anxious presence. Uh, the self is really not involved in that kind of rest. Um, is that along the lines of what you were talking about? That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. The, the other thing, the other thing I forgot to mention earlier that, and, and I, Tygen, I'd really like to hear you say something about it. Um, is this phrase, the family business, uh, continue the family business, which is a phrase, I think, of Hong Zhe Zhengzhui's, isn't it? Um, and and it, it's along the lines of this business of the world as Sangha and Dharma Gate and Buddha. Uh, the world, that we are, we are engaged in Zen, we are engaged in the family business, you know? We're, relate, we're related uh, to everything and everyone, and that's a feeling that is very different from being an isolated individual who is bumping up against other things in the world. Uh, is, is that along the lines of what Hangzhou was saying with that term, Taigen? Yes. Um, it's a lovely phrase and it, uh, it's not unique to Hangzhou, it's, uh, but it's the, the idea of uh, taking care of the family business. Uh, on one se- in one sense, it just mean, it means particularly a particular lineage of uh, practice. So, we are in 
Suzuki Roshi's lineage, Suzuki Roshi came and uh, wrote Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, came, I think, in 1959 to the United States and lived here for 12 years. And now there are many, many, many groups, uh, many of his disciples and many students of theirs who uh, are uh, in, in groups all around the country. So in some sense, my job is to take care of the family business to make sure that's not cut off, to transmit that, as I have done with Asian Nancy Easton and, and Yosan Eric Schutt as successors, but in the larger sense, and I, I love the way you were talking about the larger sense of all of these refuges. In the larger sense, that's something we are all doing. We're taking care of uh, this particular lineage of Zen Buddhist practice, but also in the larger sense, the family business just means keeping alive Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, keeping alive Buddha in the, in the world today. So uh, in the, in the uh, sutras, in the Buddhist scriptures, it talks about uh, children of Buddha, sons and daughters of good family. Uh, so in some sense, just by virtue of your being here, even if you're fairly new to this practice, you are a child of Buddha. And then the ceremony that Brian referred to uh, is one way of confirming that. But um, in the largest sense, um, keeping alive the family business is a phrase for just taking care of the practice and teaching of uh, how we uh, can see life in the way that you're talking about. I can uh, see life as um, informed by uh, awakeness and reality and community, deep community. So, yes, um, we're all taking care of this uh, of this of this practice. And and the other thing is that this is something that has been done for twenty five hundred years since uh, more or less since. Shakyamuni Buddha in what's now northeastern India. And in every generation, uh, some people formally, but uh, congregations and Sangha uh, have uh, taken care of this and passed it down. And some, it's in some periods, it got very narrow. You know, there weren't so many people doing it. It was just, you know, there weren't so many teachers. In other periods, like uh, the flowering of uh, American Buddhism now, there's a lot of people and a lot of teachers, but uh, each generation, someone was doing what each of you is doing. It was sitting zazen, uh, opening up to the gateways to reality and feeling community. And whether it's a, you know, a few people practicing together or whether it's the community of, all being that we are also part of. So yeah, this is something we're taking care of and has been taken care of for us and we are taking care of now for people and beings in the future who will who, so they can do this. And and then it's of course jumped from you know India to China and Tibet, China to Korea to Japan, and now here in California to Chicago. Anyways, so we're taking care of something that's been going on a long time and that uh, we have a responsibility to, and we can also very much enjoy. So I thank you, Brian, for everything you said about all this. Sorry for babbling on like that, but uh, other people, questions, comments, responses, please feel free.
Alex. Yeah, I wanted to say um, thank you, Brian, for such a really lovely and inspiring Dharma talk. Um, I think my, my mind is particularly caught on this sort of anecdote thing you were talking about, about taking refuge in, you know, your grandson and just how alive he is to the world. Um, I think kind of, you know, a little bit bouncing off of what, what Mike was saying. I also have anxiety and it's so for me, it can sometimes be, um, you know, difficult to find that sense of refuge, but I've always found it very simple. I don't mean to make these sound like they're equal, but with, you know, with small kids and also with like pets and with animals, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very easy to sort of see this, uh, you know, this, this joy. And I don't want to, I don't want to romanticize it maybe or turn it into something it isn't, but there's this very sort of pure sense where it's, you know, even if I can't find that peace in myself at the moment, if I go for a walk outside and I see a little kid or I see, you know, some cute little dogs walking around, it's, you know, then it, it makes my day and it's a lot easier to just see a smile and take refuge in that. So um, thank you for that, Brian. Yeah. Yes, Chris. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I um, I wanted to comment on the of those the ones that I, of the treasures I feel the most challenging is the sangha, because um, it involves other people, <laughs> and um, it to me the interesting thing and good thing for me is through the pandemic and through the increase in isolation that through uh, this new Zoom thing, I've been able to be a part of a Sangha and be uh, supported in a group that I wouldn't have imagined. Um, And I, I, I think it's a wonderful thing that it's opens the possibility to other people that can't necessarily physically be present but can still be supported by a community so that's great that's really good to hear yeah chris may i ask where you're located are you in chicago or where are you um so i i live in i tell people i live in chicago i work in decatur Mm. Uh, my wife lives works in chicago full-time uh, we had gone to Ancient Dragon, oh, two or three times, and then things happened, and so that was no longer a possibility. Um, I've known Brian since uh, he was my uh, priest in uh, Albuquerque. He baptized my son. Hmm. I'm glad you know, you're here. Yeah, Brian. Mentioning... Uh, the Christian context, one of the things that I did want to bring up tonight that is um, very parallel is the the St. Paul and then sacramental theology that talks about the body of Christ, that uh, we're, we're all members of, of one body. That um, And there's this wonderful passage where 
Paul says, you know, we need each other. The, the hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. The eye cannot say to the ear, I don't need you. <laughs> you know, we, the, the, and that's really, that's really true about all of reality. And whether we recognize that, that broadly or not, it's still true. Um, we can't say that somebody else's trash that's outside my door. Uh, it's there and it's part of my world. And am I going to pick it up or not, you know? Um, and am I going to be, am I going to care about people I don't know, um, who are part of my body and, and, and I'm a part of theirs. So something I did not say in the introduction, which Chris referred to is that Brian is also an Episcopal priest, a minister, well, I don't know what the word is, but he was, uh, he still is, and but was also the minister of the largest Episcopal church in Albuquerque for many years before he moved to Chicago and joined us. So, uh, you know, one of the things that's lovely about this particular Ancient Dragons and Gate Sangha is that there are many people who have a range of different, con- uh, you know, spiritual contexts, to put it that way, who have practiced with other Buddhist teachers or in other tra- Buddhist or other spiritual traditions. So it just enriches the whole thing, you know, that we're not shut off from uh, children of Buddha in the widest sense. So anyway, uh, thank you, Chris, and welcome, and uh, Brian, thanks. And it brings up another thing is that, you know, when some people say that Taking uh, receiving the precepts or taking refuge in the, in Buddha Dharma and the Sangha is becoming a Buddhist. And I remember that was being mentioned at times around the time of my Jukai ceremony four and a half years ago. And I, you know, I understand where that's coming from, but I never really related to it that way. I mean, it was just sort of like uh, these are things. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. It's not. It's not um, some kind of definition of. of what I am, as if anything could fit that. Um, and, it, and it's all part of um, the process of, of being and becoming, rather than now I'm in, in the Buddhist box. You know. And I'll add to that, that, you know, as a Zen Buddhist priest and teacher, I don't care about Buddhism. You know, <laughs> what I, I do care about Buddha Dharma Sangha. But it's not about some formal event or institution or anything like that. And, and you know, in as much as we do talk about being a Buddhist, whatever that is, um, I know that there are people like Brian, who is both a Buddhist and a Christian, or, you know, has that as parts of him. And, and I've seen, and I know I've seen many people who are, you know, uh, truly expressing uh, a variety of traditions. So anyway, thank you. Where'd all the women go? They were here yesterday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they fled. You scared them. Oh, no. <laughs> there is one corner here that has a number. I don't know who that is, but there's a number that's not, not uh, 
not obvious who that is. It's a, there's a telephone I, number. I'm pretty sure that's my wife, Bren. So there is a woman here. Welcome. <laughs> Great. How are we doing on time, Alex? It is 8.38 right now. So uh, if if we could start the, the closing uh, Bodhisattva vows and then and then uh, announcements and so forth but, and uh, informal talk after that. But if anyone has any last uh, comments or questions or responses for Brian, uh, there's time for another Let me just close by saying how, how really, truly grateful I am to you and to this Sangha uh, in, in the more narrow sense of individuals that I know and I'm still getting to know. And um, it's, it's really been wonderful to be a part of, of Sangha. So thank you. So, Alex, what are such vows? I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording now, and I will share my screen for the Bodhisattva vows. <laughs>